Hello, welcome to Oh No, Ross and Carrie, the show where we don't just talk about fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but show up ourselves. Yeah, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Carrie Poppy. And I'm Ross Blotcher. And uh, what did we do this month? Well, this month we did not abort a child. Uh, did you get pregnant at least? No, we did not no? do that. We did not get pregnant. Lazy. We did not end a pregnancy. <laughs> Lazy. There are some links I won't go to for the show. We were looking into pro-life Pregnancy centers. Yes, also known as crisis pregnancy centers. Right. So they're special centers that are devoted entirely to talking you out of terminating a pregnancy. Right. And they fly under the radar a little bit by calling themselves counseling centers or women's centers or crisis pregnancy centers to get you in the door and then maybe talk you out of your plans. What would you say they're generally motivated by? I think most of the time they are at least funded by Christian groups. Yeah. Religious groups. Because I knew a lot of people involved with this sort of, you know, ministry quote mm-hmm. unquote they'd even consider it a ministry mm-hmm. you know sure. carrying signs showing up to protest at abortion clinics offering services l- like the ones you're talking about you know sharing bible verses to talk people out of getting mm-hmm. abortions so yeah it just it always seemed very much hand in hand with being an evangelical christian sure and i went to a very christian high school and if i had a nickel for every time i heard psalm 139 13 to 16 i would be a very rich man uh, that's that's the part that says... Would you really be very rich? I mean, you think you heard it more than like a thousand times? <sighs> All right, I'd have like three extra bucks. Okay. <laughs> it was said a lot, okay? So about 60 times, okay. <laughs> yeah. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth... Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. That's it. And why did we decide to do this as an investigation? Oh, well, it was suggested to us by one of our listeners, Colin Boots. Colin Boots, who has the most British name ever. I don't know if he's actually British or not. I know. I don't know either. But but I do feel like his name is a character in a Paddington Well, you are British now, Colin, if you weren't before. <laughs> and uh, he said it was an issue near and dear to his heart. And we said, oh, that's a good idea. So, yeah, most of these facilities are affiliated with a national pro-life group. There are three major ones that mm-hmm. fund most of the pregnancy centers or the crisis pregnancy centers across the United States. And the one that we ended up going to is affiliated with one called CareNet. Sounds like a healthcare company. It does. And they run Are hundreds you a of... Blue Shield or CareNet? <laughs> right. And they run hundreds of centers across the U.S. Some are licensed medical facilities and can provide pregnancy tests and ultrasounds, which are then used to persuade the woman away from termination. They say they're doing this to make sure it's not an ectopic pregnancy. What's an ectopic pregnancy? <laughs> an ectopic Topic pregnancy is when the fertilized embryo is lodged in your fallopian tube. Oh, okay. And it can be fatal to the woman. I think it's fairly common because what happens is that it'll eventually burst the fallopian tube, which can kill you. So you're saying that would be a case in which they would say it's okay to have some kind of procedure to... No, no. So if that were the case, if you have an ectopic pregnancy, mm-hmm. then you can't get an abortion, basically. You can't go in and, and take, say, a medical abortion. You can't take a pill because the pill works inside your uterus. Mm. So you're telling your uterus to flush everything out of it. Well, nothing's there. So the pro-life centers will say, oh, we better take this ultrasound.
ultrasound to make sure it's not in your fallopian tube. And that's their way to sort of get an in to give you an ultrasound, show you what your, your quote unquote baby looks like uh, that it, it and then has. appeal to and then other uh, arguments. Uh, yeah. And then I, I don't, I don't really know what happens at that point, but I assume that they tell you that, you know, your baby has a face and this is what the baby looks like. And that can be very emotional for a lot of people. I can imagine. Yeah. So CareNet, the group that ran the one that we went to, did their own survey where they said that 72% of the women who came to these facilities and at first were strongly leaning towards abortion, but then saw their ultrasound, 72% didn't go through with it after they saw that ultrasound. That's a very high success rate, if that's true. They also said that 50% didn't go through with their plans to abort after counseling alone without even seeing the ultrasound, which is probably how I think this sensor would mark down our experience, which we'll talk about in a second. Okay. So um, fairly effective then at what they do. Yeah. If, if these statistics are correct, then yeah, they're, uh, whatever they're using to persuade people not to terminate the pregnancies is working. So now we'll talk about whether those things are grounded in science and ethical. Yeah, because it seems like being their bread and butter, they would know the ins and outs completely of fetal development and... Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they should know all the science, right? Right. You so. would think. Yeah. Let's, so let's, let's see if they out. did. So when we decided to get this appointment, what did we do to find a place? Well, uh, we went online. You went online. I did. And it's pretty easy to find one. You just did a search for pro-life pregnancy centers, Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. That brought it up. It did, yeah. And, I mean, they don't advertise themselves as such for obvious reasons. If you want to catch people who want to have abortions, you don't advertise yourself as a pro-life center. As having, like, a particular slant already. Right. But those groups that do this tend to belong to networks and be connected with the pro-life community. So I typed that in, and it immediately came up with, I believe, four centers in Los Angeles for me to pick from. Mm -hmm. Okay, ones to choose from. Yeah. And I believe the particular one that you got in contact with had two centers, one in Glendale, one in Hollywood. That's right. So the one that we chose is called Hollywood Women's Center, and it's run by Avenues Pregnancy Clinic is the name of the larger company that runs both centers. Mm-hmm. And interestingly, their website is abortion-losangeles.com. Oh, that's cheery. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's also interesting since they don't... I wish I had that URL. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it also kind of uh, reveals a little bit, I think, about the tactic here because they don't provide abortions. They yeah, try to they're hoping that people looking for abortions will come and find right, them. Right, right. Yeah, I guess mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, oh, no, I'm looking for abortion in Los Angeles. Oh, I found this place. Right. Yeah. Yes, exactly. That's exactly how it happened. I'm putting it together, Carrie. That was just so our listeners know that was a dramatization. It wasn't wanna... happening in real time. <laughs> I want a candy bar or a gold star. <laughs> very good. You did a very good job. Thank you. You're a very good actor. So we made a, a free appointment via email, which was really easy to do. I just wrote to her and I said, hey, uh, well, I should say I wrote to her and I lied because there was really no way to do this investigation without lying off the bat. Well, you added, I mean, <laughs> you said, uh, not only are you pregnant, but I'm your mm-hmm. boyfriend. And, right. But I mean, why else would I be right. there? Yeah, they wouldn't yeah. have let you in if I had said, this is my podcast co-host. <laughs> <laughs> my good pal, Ross. Right? Yeah, yeah, let him come. So I was thinking already, like, oh, great. You know, if anybody who knows me sees me going in there, like, oh, we got something to tell Ross's wife about. (laughs) Yeah, true. (laughs) Or if one of the volunteers was from the Mormon church or something. (laughs) Oh, that would have been amazing. Wouldn't it? (laughs) I wish it had been that way, but it wasn't. So, yeah, I just said that I was a few weeks pregnant. 
I had just taken some pregnancy tests. You estimated three weeks. Yeah, I estimated three weeks, but said I didn't really know. I said I would. Al- I always assumed I would terminate if I got pregnant because I don't want any kids, but that my friend Addison, a name I pulled from our, our favorite fan, that my friend Addison had told me to come to a center that would help me look at options. And I said, my friend, you know, went through this already, not, not relating to Addison's personal experience. <laughs> because I don't know about that, but uh, just uh, to fill in the gaps of the story. She told me to to find a place that would would help me with looking at my different options, you know, abortion, carrying the child to term. You've got kind of a setup where you you don't necessarily know what they're about. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I said, can my boyfriend Ross come? And they said, yes, absolutely. As soon as you want to. When do you want to come? Yeah, I don't know why they said I could come. I mean, I guess we'll get to that. Yeah, it's interesting that they did. Yeah, we'll we'll see how they reacted to you. Yeah, so I was the first one there Friday morning. Mm -hmm. So we were both taking some time off of work. Had Mm -hmm. to get clearance to go and and have this anti-abortion appointment Mm -hmm. bright and early in the morning. So yeah, I get there and uh, it's on a busy street there in Hollywood. It looked just like kind of a regular storefront, you know, like Mm -hmm. you might buy insurance there or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it said, you know, women's center, you know, just for women. You had to call to get in. It wasn't just, you know, walk-in available. Ah, right. Oh, you mean you had to, like, press a buzzer? Well, like, they put their phone number out front and said, oh, call us if you want to get inside. okay. I just opened it because you were already in there. They must have unlocked it. Okay, must be. So, yeah, I called. They let me in. It it was the the lady that... You eventually talked to. In fact, I think we only saw one person mm-hmm. in there the whole time. Yeah. She was in scrubs. We'll call her Sam. All right. And she's wearing kind of the, the green-blue scrubs. Mm-hmm. They call them teal. I don't know. <laughs> they, call, they call them teal in the medical community. Do they really? Well. <laughs> Are you just nodding to? <laughs> teal is the name of that color. I, I don't know, know who I just, they I w- is. <laughs> I wasn't sure. I thought maybe that. Okay. Anyways. So she's wearing the teal scrubs. She lets me in. And I don't know. I she was friendly, but kind of distant. You know, I haven't seen her baseline personality elsewhere, so I can't compare that. But I felt this kind of discomfort with her mm. from the very beginning. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And then, you know, I was kind of greeting her and saying, hi, yeah, is it all right if I just hit here? Okay. And she lets me in. I was thinking, oh, no, maybe I'm too chipper for somebody who's worried about his uh, girlfriend right. being pregnant. So I figured, I, you know, I better look a little more pensive and serious about okay. this. So, you know, I tried to uh, <laughs> buckle down after that. And uh, so, yeah, she sat me down in the chair, and I did not move for a long time. You didn't. I'm so sorry. So, yeah, (laughs) Carrie shows up and signs in. Yeah, I showed up. I had to fill out a form. Mm Mm-hmm. The forum told us to turn off all recording equipment and said they don't consent to recording. Yeah, I think probably on both sides of this debate, this cultural debate, that sort of thing seems to happen all the time. And you said you saw a camera later on like in the I think so. I in the counseling room I was looking for one and there was um there were there were a couple of vent like things mm-hmm. that I was trying to decide what exactly they were and two of them were clearly vents and then one had that sort of circular object that could have been a a camera, gotcha. uh, a camera lens covering. Well, I checked the lobby thoroughly, and there were no cameras there because I had a long time in the lobby. You sure <laughs> did. So, so when uh, 
Oh, well, first of all, they made me also sign a form that gave them consent to give me a pregnancy test. Yeah. And And we're like, oh, no, the the gig is up. Right, because I'm not pregnant. And so I said, oh, uh, I don't need the free pregnancy test. I've taken three pregnancy tests. Mm -hmm. And she said, and they're positive. And I said, yes. And then she said, (laughs) oh, well, yeah. And she said, well, we do have to give you a pregnancy test in order to do the counseling. And I said, okay. And so I signed that. And fortunately, they hadn't told me that I was going to take have to take a pregnancy test or we might have just called it off. Right. But since they hadn't told me, I hadn't been holding my pee all morning, so I had nothing to give them. Oh, okay. So you weren't just purposely giving them a small sample. No, not really. Uh, but as she led me back there to take the test, you were kind of following me. And mm-hmm. I said, this is Ross. And she said, hello, can you wait? Right. She's like, you can just sit right here. Yeah. You're like, we'll call you later. Yeah. Yeah. But she said it would just be a minute or something. Right. I was expecting, you know, to let Carrie go pee in privacy. That's fine. Right. I respect your privacy. You've always let me pee in privacy, and I've always appreciated that about you. (laughs) Thank you. So I went in the back. She had me pee into a cup. She asked me to fill it up at least to like 20 milliliters. I think I gave her like three milliliters. Oh. Yeah. I mean, I had nothing to give her. Underperforming. Yeah. <laughs> and so she she took the test and it came out negative. But mm. she said there was so little urine. You know, I don't really read much into this, but you are going to have to take another one. And I said, you're going to have to give me water. Uh, so she gave me two big cups of water, and as we sat there, I... You know what she should have given you? Hot drinks. Oh, that would have been nice. Would she that did. make you pee more? Yeah, oh yeah. Well, especially if it were like coffee, because caffeine's a diuretic. Oh, there you go. Yeah. But anyway, she wanted to wait for that test before she started saying anything, and I oh. think that might be because of people like you and me. Yeah. Yeah. So did you feel that she was kind of eyeing you up or sort of suspicious of you? I don't think she necessarily was yet, but I do think that's the motivation. So she was sort of withholding judgment till... Okay. I would describe her personality as mousy. Okay. You know, I think of Mousy as a look and not a personality. Well, Mousy Sam and I sat there and she did, uh, you know, I said, it's going to take a while for me to pee. You know, you don't immediately pee out the water you drink or else right. we would we would be very inefficient little organisms. Yeah, yeah. I said, you know, can we start chatting a bit? And, and so she asked me about why I didn't want this baby. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, I just, I don't want to have kids at all. And she said, oh, why? And I said, oh, I just don't want them the same way. You know, I don't want to be a doctor or I don't mm-hmm. want to own a sandwich shop. It's just not something I want. And um, <laughs> Are those the examples you use? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I like those. Those are good. <laughs> Thanks. And then she said, oh, okay. Wait, why don't you want a sandwich shop? It just seems like a lot of work. Yeah. You know, stop everything. So... <laughs> <laughs> I, one of my good friends once dated a guy who opened a sandwich shop. Yeah. And I saw the stress levels and he became a very unpleasant boyfriend, friend, person. This is good to know because I've always thought in the back of my mind. Don't do it. Not me, but that my dad should start a sandwich shop. Makes very good sandwiches, but um, maybe not. Okay, continue. (laughs) 
Well, but your dad also wanted kids, so we may be different. Indeed. That's Is your right. dad a doctor? Someone has to start a sandwich shop because there are sandwich shops. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I've yeah. been to sandwich shops. What's your favorite? There is sort of a deli restaurant in Los Angeles called Flore. Okay. They make a vegan Reuben sandwich that I'm a big fan of. Nice. So I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick Flore. Fantastic. Okay. Anyway, I just told her I didn't really want any kids. And, and anyway, even if I had, this wouldn't be a good time. I'm not financially or emotionally prepared for a kid. And she said, okay, okay. And she filled out a form. See, this is all new to me because, again, I'm, I'm sitting out in the lobby this entire time on these very uncomfortable chairs. And it was an hour. Mm-hmm. It was a I little know. over an hour. And I'm, I'm looking at my watch like, oh, I need to be back at work. I and, know. I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's okay. But <laughs> it was just like very nerve wracking. And in my mind, I was playing these horror scenarios that she was going to kind of grill you and then she was going to bring me back. Oh, no, I have to like, <laughs> we didn't really like map out our story that, right. <laughs> that thoroughly. We had very sparse details. Right. So, yeah, I was very worried about all this. All that was happening at this point was that she she decided she was going to counsel me, you know, not just make me sit there until I had to pee. So okay. she took me into this other room, the counseling room, I guess, and she gave me some literature. Yeah, yeah it was this long hallway in in the, the building off of the lobby, and you were like one of the first doors to the left. Yes. yes. Very important. Very I took, important. I took a photo so people oh, can, nice. can now picture where you are. Oh, good. Okay. So they can see those where? At facebook.com slash onrack. Oh, perfect. So she gave me some literature. I have it here before me, and we'll scan this. There was one booklet called Before You Decide and one booklet called The Abortion Pill. And she explains that if I were to terminate at this point, I would be taking the abortion pill, which is a pill that basically it cuts off the the blood and the nutrients to the placenta. So the placenta just kind of shrivels up and dies? I assume so. See, I wouldn't have been able to tell you how that works beforehand. So, well, the way she the way she put it was that it cuts off the oxygen and the food to the baby, and the baby slowly dies. That's how she right. described you it. You said it takes like twenty four hours. She said it takes twenty four hours for that first part to work, and then they have to do an ultrasound to make sure everything's gone. And then I think there's a second round where you take another pill that actually pushes all that out okay so the first round is just cutting it off and then the second is is eliminating it okay so she gave me this booklet that is beautifully designed to look like an actual medical booklet fearfully and wonderfully made it really does look like something i would get with my new birth control or something yeah yeah this is very nice design contemporary yeah and it turns out that it's produced by focus on the family Oh, yes. Um, which is a, 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 Christ, a very famous Christian conservative group, um, James Dobson. Yeah. So this, this booklet like tells me some pretty ordinary stuff about the medicine. Like, you can't take it more than 49 days since the first day of your last period, you know, and, and ordinary things like that. Mm-hmm. And then there's a side effects section that is accurate, but then will sort of, I, I would say, would overplay the importance of certain side effects so okay for example it says at least five women have died from a severe infection in their bloodstream after taking the abortion pill and having this inserted into their vagina i noticed that when you first showed it to me there thinking uh, because i was just reading a book on the presentation of statistics Mm -hmm. and that's such a misleading way Mm -hmm. to present that information because if you express it as a percentage of women who take it it would be, you know, less and than one percent of one percent. And let's let's express it as a percentage. I looked it up. 
Do it. Um, so only 0.15% of women have any adverse effects from the pill. Right. So you say so it that not, way. Not just death or serious problems, but any adverse effect. Right. So, yeah, the, the other way you could present that same exact statistic is to say 99.85% of women have no adverse side right. effects. Yeah, so that's that's so, so that's where we're starting to veer from just the straight science of right uh, the procedure into uh, kind of emotionally manipulating. Would you say that's how I'd interpret choosing to present the statistic it, that way? It's a correct statistic, but clearly they are presenting it in the most uh, damning way possible. Right. One could argue, okay, but you know, the other side, if they just said ninety-nine point blah blah blah, people you know, have a great experience that you're discounting those people who had horrible experiences, sure. one could say. Yeah. Lies, damn lies, and statistics. <laughs> right. Well, here, I'll hand you this booklet, Ross, which I think this might be the first time that you've really pawed through it thoroughly. Why, thank you, Carrie. Yeah. Yeah, because you took it home with you. And you'll notice, Ross, as you flip through that, that the last section tells me that a unique person is growing inside of me. And I believe the line is, as an obstetrician, I can tell you that a unique person is growing inside of you. Okay. So, I mean, definitely uh, a point of view being pushed here. And then I got another booklet that says, that's called Before You Decide. And it has all these points about abortion. The first section is called Fetal Development. And it shows pictures of the fetus at different stages, week four, week six, week 10, week 16, and week 21. And I noticed right away when I opened this one that they call the fetus the baby right, from day I, one. Right, I noticed that. Yeah, there is no fetus. It's mm -hmm. all baby. Mm -hmm. And week six is where she said, based on the first day of my last period, she said I could be as far along as week six. And there, you know, lo and behold, is is what looks like a baby. Mm -hmm. And it says six weeks from conception, the baby has fingers and has begun to move, although the mom, the mom mm -hmm. cannot yet feel his or her movement. And so when I saw that, I said, oh, wow, so my fetus already has um, fingers. And she said, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, and I said, and, and a gender? And she said, yeah. She started at this point getting, like, a little nervous about this whole pregnancy test thing. Because you were asking too many questions? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. But she... Tell me what she was thinking. She said, uh, that was when I, I asked her if you could come back. Uh -huh. And she said, actually, I'm going to close the door. And then she closed the door so you couldn't hear us. Not that I could hear anything to begin with. Oh, okay. She closed the door and she said, because, you know, your your test came up negative and I have to wonder why that is. And so that's when I thought, oh, okay. She thinks that, like, Ross and I are in cahoots. How silly. You were <laughs> Why right. would we do that? Why would we come and sting up pregnancies? Right, Who right. Who does that? You know, and yet she was right. <laughs> right. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so I... Uh, so, so realizing that we might be in a bit of a tricky situation, Ross. Carrie pulled upon her acting uh, skills. <laughs> yes, I may have done something a little manipulative to make sure we could follow through with this investigation. Uh -huh. Crying. I said, well, I'm impressed that you can do that on, on command. Not always. In this case, I was thinking, okay, if this were information in front of me and and I had a fetus in my belly and someone were telling me that there were like fingers and oh, yeah. gender and this is a baby 
This would be very emotional. And so I said... Um, it's a him, it's a her. Right. And so I said, well, d- can, can, it, can he or she feel pain? And she said, yes, the baby can feel pain at week six. And I said, wow, so would the baby feel pain during the abortion? And she mm-hmm. said, yes. And that's when I started crying. And I said, um, I said, well, that's really upsetting to me, mm-hmm. you know. So how would this work? How long would she, he or she feel pain? And she said, the whole time. And I said, well, you just told me it would take 24 hours to cut off this the blood and the nutrients, would it suffer for 24 hours? And she said, yes. Wow. And I said, well, okay. I mean, <laughs> that's terrible. I, you know, I don't know what it's like to be a fetus, but for me, if I'm choking, I can't imagine choking for 24 hours. Like you kind of choke and then mm-hmm. once enough oxygen's gone, you lose consciousness. Mm-hmm. So does at any point, does it lose consciousness? For 24 hours, the baby will be choking. Choking and miserable, 24 yeah, hours straight. Yeah, 24 hours. Well, and a, I said, well, it's... That's a horrific image. Yeah, so I, I was like, wow, that's terrible, and continued to cry. Is that when she let me in? Because you were still crying when I came in. No, not yet. Then, uh, And I, I should mention, too, that this idea She should have of... said, uh, you know, stop with the crying, because we need to conserve your fluid so you can pee more. We should mention that um, this claim that the... The fetus can feel pain at six weeks is not backed up by any science that I could find. Oh, really? Okay. Um, the earliest estimates I could find appear to be around 18 weeks. Okay. Um, Much later. And then even then, you still need a functional brain to interpret the pain. Sure. But from from the theological perspective, they're seeing this as being a... A soul. Yeah, a predestined yeah. human, a, a soul. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, 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 of course. But her answer to my question was, was as far as I can tell, not, not, it's, it appears that way. Now, if a, if a listener wants to, to give us more information, this is still pretty much in debate. The fetal development thing is not cut and dry. So I, I finally said, oh, yeah, I think I can pee. And I gave her a lot of urine at that point. All right. And that's when she let you back there. Oh, okay. And um, I think she had been convinced that there was no way I was pulling the wool over her eyes because I was just crying so convincingly, Ross. <laughs> she ha- uh, Carrie has her hand over her heart in the Mormon woman pose. <laughs> the Mormon woman. Yeah, it's so true. <laughs> well, well done. I'm impressed because I came in and you were still oh, crying. Oh, no. You know what? I forgot. That's not when she let you back. That's not when she let you back. Oh, well. Because first she asked straight. me about my religious upbringing. Oh, yes. And I said, well, I was, I was raised religious really think about that much anymore Mm -hmm. and she said well would you mind if i read you some bible verses since that's your upbringing and i said sure and then she pulled out a little booklet and it was an ephesians verse um about not being saved by works oh okay by grace not yes less any man boast should boast yeah. yeah and so she read that no she had me read it to her then she read it to me and then she said that, uh, you know, I needed Jesus. And then she asked me to pray the sinner's prayer, which is asking Jesus into your heart. So um, would you would you say that it was at all religious at this point? <laughs> wow. Yeah, you know, I was kind of impressed that so quickly she was willing to just sort of tip her hand. Jump into that, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, and I have to say another thing I was nervously thinking about over in the lobby is, you know, this whole place... Uh, just reeks of legitimacy. Like, Uh you know, the forms you filled out and the literature they had around just in the entryway. 
nothing would lead me to think like that this was particularly you know slanted towards a pro-life position right and it's so it's like genius that way oh no did we stumble into the wrong place you know there were a couple times there too where i thought that like i asked her if um you know i told her the kind of birth control i had been taking yeah. and then i said would condoms have been more effective and she's like condoms are good and i was like oh yeah, I are asked you? a very similar Wait. question when I came in there, and I was expecting her to say something against birth control or condoms. Right. Like, yeah, nothing like that. Yeah. So, okay, but now she's leading you so down now, Romans Road and showing you verses from yeah, the Bible. Yeah, and I went ahead and read the sinner's prayer to her. She hadn't. What was interesting, too, is that she didn't say, you know, read this over, do you believe it, or anything. She's like, you want to just read this out loud? Whoa. So I just read her the sinner's prayer, and she's like, amen. And then... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a way to do it. Okay. Yeah. So good news. Now, saved. Wh- was she doing that with the little booklet, the blue yeah. booklet? Okay. I Yeah. I took this away afterwards. And it was the one that you've all seen. And in fact, on the back, it has Billy Graham's website. Uh, but it's, you know, those basic steps of you are separate from God and they illustrate this little chasm. You can't get across on your own by good works or philosophy or morals. Uh, many men have tried and failed. Uh, but Jesus died for us, and then this big cross plunks down from the sky and crosses the bridge, and uh, and now you can accept his free gift and reunite with God. So it was that whole thing with, and I say Romans Road because there's all these verses from Romans as well as some other places that uh, tell you how to get right with God. So wow, okay, definitely fully on the religious point. Yeah, and and you know at this point at least not trying to hide it in any way. I really wondered what they do if you know if I had said my upbringing was Buddhist or something what she would have done yeah wasn't prepared for that i'm still crying i'm reading her bible verses now i'm praying (laughs) the sinner's prayer she lets you back you see me in tears what do you think um well very convincing so i was like oh no what's going on you know i was freaked out and also i'm thinking i have to be acting too on a certain level and i'm not an accomplished actor like yourself (laughs) so i so i went and put my arm around you oh no what's going on (laughs) and uh and so you were showing you had this booklet that you have right here now the before you decide booklet uh carrie had it open to the page showed the the various weeks of development and she was saying you can feel pain and uh Really? And, you know, I was just trying to, you know, learn and understand mm-hmm. what was upsetting you. Right. Um, but, yeah, I was rather dumbfounded. <laughs> and and it was also awkward because she left the room but could hear us, so we had to continue this little melodrama. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I'm saying little things like, well, you know, we decided neither of us is ready to have a baby. I mean, right. I, I, we need time to think about this, so we don't act on just emotions. But, yeah, I mean... I don't know. I was trying to be sensitive, but right. also kind of like a callous man. <laughs> what men do. So, yeah, she came back in and she talked to both of us for a little while. Uh, she asked us why we didn't want to be parents. We yeah. said just financially we weren't ready. And then you said, yeah, neither of us had plans for kids. Maybe you, meaning me, yeah. in the future. Yeah, I said, you know, I think you might have wanted to someday. I don't want to at all, but we definitely both don't want any now. Right. And then, uh, and, and I threw out a question about contraception, you know, saying that, you know, well, we have to double down on our efforts. And, and uh, yeah, I was hoping maybe she would say something because I've heard just anti-scientific, completely false information. Like the AIDS virus is smaller than the pores in the, in the condom, which mm-hmm. even if true is misleading because the AIDS virus is locked within inside a cell, you know, and mm-hmm. it's not just going to go wandering off. But anyways, it, it, it's 
misleading anti-scientific information. So I thought maybe she'd launch into something like that. But she didn't. She she was cool with the uh, the contraception. Right. At least. Yeah, yeah. She just told us to go ahead and wear condoms when I'm ovulating. Right. She was even talking about paying attention to your cycle. Right. So no complaints there. And then while you were in there, she was still testing my urine. And at this point... Yes, we were waiting for the results of the second test where Carrie... Uh, held forth with right with lots much, of urine much pee lots and on this sample she put two tests in there to be double sure mm-hmm. and so now it's three tests she comes back and she says they're all negative yeah and, and she so, looked really suspicious like what's going on and you know we're like oh that's so weird why would your right. home pregnancy and, test have told you the positive result and thinking about how i would really react to this news i said like well that would be great news, but I really doubt that's right because I took three home pregnancy tests that were positive. I don't mm-hmm. want to get my hopes up because I think that's what I would really say in the moment. Right. It sounds really promising that yeah. uh, we're not pregnant because, you know, I was, you know, happy at the prospect because right. I don't want a baby either. And um, and so she was saying that the way to be 100% sure would be to get a blood get test. Get a blood test. So it's like, we really need this blood test. Yeah. <laughs> and she – and. Uh, she also said, I can't give you the ultrasound until this comes up positive. And she had been pushing this ultrasound mm. most of this conversation. She wanted you to see a baby. Yeah, I think so. Um, so she said, you know, go and get this blood test. Come back if it's positive And we'll give you the ultrasound and we'll continue the counseling. So we said, okay. I wonder if they keep any cigars around to give to the father. <laughs> <laughs> and she also, um, you know, we said to her, well, if we are pregnant and if we decide we don't want to terminate, but we don't have a baby, what do we do? And right. she, and instead of, she did eventually jump to adoption, but first she said, oh, is it a financial thing? Why wouldn't you want to be parents? Uh-huh. And so again, we tell her again why we don't want kids. And she says, oh, okay, well, you can adopt the child and you can even pick the parents for the child. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh yeah, just carrying a baby for nine months yeah. that I'm not going to get to raise sounds really harrowing. Yeah. And she just kind of nodded. <laughs> uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I bet it does. So what I haven't told you, Ross, is that after we left this place, I went to work and my phone, as I was driving there, my phone was going nuts. They were calling me a Uh-oh. bunch. And yeah, I thought, oh, no. Something serious oh, is going no. down. Oh, no. Yeah. But then finally, when I got to work and was able to answer my phone, she, it was it was her. It was Sam. Oh. And she was calling to say... Um, that she had talked to the director of her clinic and fetal pain begins at the eighth week, not the sixth week. Oh, so okay. that was interesting. So she was doing a little bit of fact correction. Then. Right. Which I guess I'm guessing because of people like you and me, they have to be very careful right. about their stats. Make sure that was, they're uh, playing fair. Right. Yeah. So that was still much earlier than anything I could find. But um I think they probably believe that's true. And so, and then I said, oh, okay, so if I got the procedure right now, the the baby wouldn't feel pain. Right, and, by that logic. Right, and she said... She, I'm sure she didn't want to say yes. She, well, it was odd. She said, well, it, well, it definitely develops at the eighth week. Oh, and I said, interesting. oh, okay, so... Leaving open so, the possibility. No, we go further. Then I said, so... So then r- right now it might feel pain. And she said it would feel pain the whole time. 
So you mean you don't know then before that? I mean, it could could feel pain, could not. And she said it would feel pain the whole time. <laughs> so I'm not even sure. But then she huh. she reinforced something she'd said earlier and said, you have a good heart that you'd even think about the pain of the baby. Nice. And I said, oh, thank you. And then I also told her that I don't like anyone to suffer for me, and that's why I'm a vegetarian, because I couldn't throw that <laughs> there in. There you go, yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't be carry otherwise. So before we go further, Ross, mm-hmm. shall we thank some some donors? I'm glad they were born. I am too. That their mothers carried them to turn. Oh, God. <laughs> it's like these forwards used to go around that would say, like, Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this child was w- born to an unwed mother who yeah, was w- very poor. Would you abort this child? You just aborted Einstein. Yeah, and then the last one was always, You aborted Jesus Christ. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, you first you like wiped out Beethoven, right. and then you wiped out Einstein, and then. Uh, Jesus. And yeah, if you fact check any of them. And those... now that I think about it, I don't think any of them were ever women. Oh. Although if it, if it, if there were a woman, 100% of the time it's Marie Curie. Why is that? that whatever, or Eleanor Roosevelt. Whenever someone needs a woman, they're like Marie Curie. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why that is. Anyway. But yeah, they never say like, you just successfully eliminated Hitler. Right. <laughs> High five. Right. For the human race. Born to a rich to rich parents. Right. Yeah, I actually don't even know Hitler's parents. I think, I've never met Hitler's parents. I have not either. I wonder what they're like. Do you think they're alive? But I, I think um, Richard Dawkins calls this the Beethoven fallacy because that's used so often. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea is that, you know, if you end a life, you're ending some you know, wonderful person that would be born a potential human being but the thing is yeah anybody that you would that would be a potential human being would be valued at the same level of any other human being would have right. wonderful qualities and be worthwhile as a human being but at what point do you cut that off because mm-hmm. the, the earth does have a carrying capacity you know every potential child shouldn't be born just because it can and would be a, a wonderful person because mm-hmm. then you know i'm committing a atrocity by not constantly having right. children and having sex with as many women as you can right and masturbating letting my seed spill and stuff right. like that you know it's it just it's one of those things you carry it out to its logical conclusion and it just doesn't make any sense yeah and it seems to be that human obsession with once this thing would carry on without my interference it's somehow more commission is- versus omission yeah Right. Yeah. Well, you know, as Genesis 128 says, Carrie, God Mm. blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. See, that's not, if she had read me that, I would have had to pull out I'm a vegetarian much sooner. (laughs) I mean, that's, I think, the mindset that underlies all of this. And like we saw in the Mormon church, it's even more so, you know, because there's all these spirit babies just waiting to get their chance on planet Earth. So have as many kids as you can. Right. But Ross, we've gotten off track here. Donors. We have some awesome donors. Tell me about the first one and let me, let me preface your announcement of our first donor with, my God, this guy loves us. A lot. Martin Dempsey from Surrey, UK. Martin Dempsey. Yet again has uh, has come in with a great donation. Thank you, Martin. Has Have we ever talked to Martin directly? No, but we just, should. We should. And now a shout out to Holly Shade Holly. from Gardner, New York. Woo! Nice to see some ladies popping in on the donation tab. And Devin Rankin from Glendale, Arizona. Thank you. 
and Marcus Sapala from Angered, Sweden. Angered. I wonder if that's Angered. Might be. I Angered. like Angered. Yeah, I would pronounce that. Angered. <laughs> and Jade Manton from Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. Yes, a very special thanks to Jade. A very special thanks to Jade. And Stuart Ward from Strathpine, Queensland, Australia. Yay, Stuart! Stuart Ward! Woo! I wish Stuart Ward would show up at our Mormon Ward. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well put, Ross. I, I agree. I'm going to vote yes. So, Ross, looking back over our experience at the pro-life crisis pregnancy women's center. Yes. Not what they put on the awning, by the way. Right. Good call on their part. The awning was not that long. Yes. <laughs> In the wise words of Ross. Yes. Yes. Um, what would you give this on a pseudoscience rating where 10 is something, I don't know, like completely batshit, not scientific. Like you're all, every little piece of you is made of the semen of a goat. What? I know. They wouldn't say anything like that. Compared to one, which would be something completely scientific, like, like humans. Like a theory? Yeah, like a theory, a good one, though. Like the theory right, that supported humans... supported by all available evidence. Right, like that, that humans evolved over time from quote-unquote simpler organisms dating back into prehistory. Well, on that scale, at least with our experience with this particular crisis center, um, I'll say maybe a seven. Yeah. Um, you know, because they were actually more scientific than I was expecting. Mm -hmm. Because I've, I've seen the kind of manipulation that, that can happen within the less educated crowd. And I guess when they're maybe not afraid of being called upon it. It's, right. It seems like this, this crisis center was very aware that people might be coming in to check them, call them out on, on overstepping their bounds. And it sounds like they kind of wanted to if they could have. Mm -hmm. um, and, and again, I'm judging just by this one woman, Sam, that we, we spoke with. But yeah, I'm going to say seven. Okay. I was with you for most of that, and then I had a second thought, Ross. All right, so I would say that science is more than one thing. It's, uh, you know, it encompasses both the evidence, which I think they're, other than maybe the fetal pain thing, they're fairly strong on what the evidence is to support their claims. But science is also in how you communicate those statistics, and it's mm. not a scientific attitude to say things like, five women have had such and such. True. It's Yeah, very that's true. not a very scientific presentation of the facts. So I think I'll pump up a little higher than yours and say eight. Okay. No, I think that's justified. I, ju I just see there's a lot room for it being even worse. I do, too. But, uh, yeah. I do, too. Yeah. No, you're right. It, it wasn't presented in a scientific manner. And, uh, you know, pulling out a little Billy Graham gospel tract. Is, yeah. <laughs> it takes us far afield. Yes, indeed. Uh, um, well, how about the pocket drainer value, Carrie? What would you say on a scale of 1 to 10, where 10 is something incredibly draining, like a bank heist, and uh, 1 is something not draining at all, like, uh, you know, those little give a penny... Take a penny, kind of. Yeah, I okay. do know those things. All right. Um, I'm going to say it depends on whether they convince you to keep your baby. Oh. So if they don't, okay. we are talking a one. It is free. The pregnancy test is free. The counseling is free. Yeah, if they can convince you to carry a baby to term, it is a 10 for sure. Okay, so then you're laying that cost on their shoulders. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, because those seventy-two percent of people who are yeah. convinced to have babies, yeah. and on the world shoulders, I guess, because you know you've got another human right. life and sure. uh, the uh, attendant use of resources, etc. Mm. Okay, yeah, I I would instinctually give it a very low rating. Yeah, I'll just say like uh, a two because at least for the services they're offering, they're funded by other sources. They're not trying to take anything from you. But yeah, like you say, if if you're convinced by them, I guess you could end up spending a fair amount of money. Why a two, though? All their services are free. One. Fine. One. Oh, okay. You happy? Well, I'm just wondering if you yeah, were no, thinking I, of I any... Yeah, no. I was questioning it as I said it. All uh, right. One. All right. All one. Right. I'm just wondering. Okay. It's all right. So how about the creepiness factor? So how creeped out did you feel at the center where one is something not at all creepy, like sitting on your toilet and reading a joke book? Okay. And while you poop. And 10 is something very, very creepy, like sitting on your toilet, pooping and reading a joke book, and a gremlin comes out of the pipes and into your butt. <laughs> All right. Um, on that scale, yeah, I'm, I'm going to put it way down there. I'm going to say two, okay? And don't question it. Two. Oh, wow. Okay. Wait, no. I just realized it was really creepy when they brought out the, the Bible tract. All right. No, it just went up to a four. Okay. I'm uh, sorry. Don't no, question that's it. That's okay. All right. I, I think I, I'm trying to correct for the fact that I, I was creeped out because we were going in there under false pretenses. And it was creepy in that sense, just in that I was worried about, you know, misstepping or saying something wrong or being found out. And then I was thinking, well, what would really be the consequences? They'd be like, get out. Uh-huh. We're not refunding the money we didn't take from you. But yeah, certainly when they get into the religious proselytization and the images of baby's pain, then, yeah, that all gets a lot creepier. All right, I'm going to say four. Uh, okay, interesting. Like, this I would have called one of our creepiest really? ones. Yeah. Well, I you mean, you really went through it, though. Yeah, that's true. I was sitting out in the lobby waiting with the other dads. There's, <laughs> there's also just the, the abortion debate also by itself is so... Um, culturally impacted i'm taking in all this cultural baggage just to have any experience where i'm talking about abortion Mm. and you know sort of in the back of my head is people bombing clinics and you know documentaries i've seen about those things and not that i'm accusing these people of being involved in such a thing i'm certainly not just all of that kind of was with me as i entered this Mm. center and i i and then there's also just that element of like even though we do this ourselves, there's that element of just the idea of deceit that this this entire enterprise exists to deceive to get their job done. Right. And that's like a little creepy, even if you and I have to do that sometimes, too. That's still just like sort of a creepy, weird spy like feeling. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I would give this an eight. I felt pretty creeped out. The whole OK. Time. OK. No, those are all fair points. Yeah, I guess it was less creepy for me because I don't have a uterus. What then would you give it on a danger rating, you know, related scale, where 10 is something incredibly dangerous, like jumping out of a plane, not with a parachute, but with one of those kind of like human squirrel suits? A what? He's just got this suit and he spreads his wings out. No. And it's got like this kind of like sugar glider So is it safe? I don't even know. If you're very experienced. Okay. But we're not. So that's incredibly dangerous. That's a 10 on our scale. And one is something not dangerous, like, you know, just walking down a flight of stairs carefully and holding onto the handrail. Oh, boy. Okay. This is tough. 
There are definitely some serious dangers for people who might be deciding whether or not to terminate their pregnancy based on their own health. And the only way that that came up for me was that I said that my mother had had gestational diabetes when she was pregnant with my sister and that I was worried about developing that myself. Can you explain that? Oh, gestational diabetes yeah. is um, is a condition where the mother um, or the, the pregnant woman develops diabetes only for the duration of the pregnancy. From what I've read, it's like around 2% of pregnancies, the woman will become diabetic. Okay. And I didn't really know if that was a life-threatening thing or how bad it is for the child or for the mother. Mm -hmm. But I mentioned that to her and she really downplayed it. She said, oh, you know, I work at Kaiser as well, Kaiser Permanente. And I see babies all the time who are born to mothers who have gestational diabetes. It's fine. I looked it up just now, and what I found at least said that the infant death rate jumps 50% if the mother has gestational diabetes. Okay. So though, though, you know, in our same earlier discussion of statistics, mm -hmm. that could be, you know, because we have a very mm -hmm. successful birth rate. A two-fold increase really is still pretty small, right? Still pretty small, yeah. yeah. But, yeah. but... Substantial enough, I think, to mention. Okay. A 50% increase, you know. Okay. Because a lot of babies do die. I mean, it's yeah. not... Yeah. It's, it does it's, still it's, happen. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, they also did what I would say is some pretty serious statistical manipulation when they're talking about breast cancer. And this is something that's pretty well known that pro-life groups will do. Okay. Which is that they say that having an abortion increases your risk of breast cancer. Oh, yeah, I've heard that. Is that, that is, true? That is not, I would say that is not true, but it, it can be said in the most possible roundabout way, which is this. A woman who becomes pregnant and has a baby lowers her risk of breast cancer. So becoming a mother lowers mm. your risk of breast cancer. Okay. So their, th their reasoning uh. is when you became pregnant, you lowered your risk. And then you ended the pregnancy and thus increased your risk. Okay. But but no more than a woman who just didn't get pregnant to begin with. Right. So you didn't, you brought it back to where you were before you got pregnant. And it, it did say that in that booklet, didn't it? Yeah. Actually, I will say that they, I, maybe they've learned their lesson and so they clarified. Abortion and breast cancer. Medical experts continue to debate the association between abortion and breast cancer. Research has shown the following. Carrying a pregnancy to full term gives a measure of protection against breast cancer, especially a woman's first pregnancy. Terminating a pregnancy results in loss of that protection. Okay. More carefully stated. Uh, and, but and then who? later it says, a number of reliable studies have concluded that there is an association between abortion and later development of breast cancer, which I think, I don't think is supported any further than what they've already stated. Okay. So I... I think that that's that's a bit manipulative for those who might not understand all this jargon here. Right. Yeah. And who produced that booklet? This one is produced by CareNet, which is the organization oh. I mentioned that okay. funds a lot of these centers. And also a uh, fairly nice quality yeah. layout and printing. Yeah. They definitely are paying close attention to, like, Planned Parenthood's leaflets and so mm. on. This all looks very Kind of reverse similar. engineering them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mostly, I would be worried for someone who was going to the center because he or she was worried about an actual life-threatening condition. Mm. I still think they would try to talk that person out of getting the procedure, but I don't really know. 
Yeah. So I don't know. Can I withhold judgment? I sure. I, I don't even know, Ross. Yeah, because it's easy to judge them based on very similar groups or other people's right. clearly spoken stances. But yeah, we don't know exactly where they would go in that situation. Right. But yeah, we had a recent you know political fallout when a Republican saying that uh, you know in cases of legitimate rape, a woman. The, the body will reject right. the sperm. You or, know, like, well, yeah, won't even become There's pregnant. that kind of nonsense out there, you know, and, and it is dangerous. It's really dangerous. So, yeah, who knows how much of that is being peddled. Yeah, I think if I give a danger rating, it would be just to the larger kind of movement, and uh, it would be, I guess, fairly high. Yeah, I'll say seven on that. Um, and, yeah, just because of the general level of misinformation. I mean, it's such an important issue. We t- We talked about this beforehand, like, I think it's one area where these religious arguments are used, but I think they have the best secular argument mm-hmm. for, you know, stating the case that uh, you should be very careful before thinking about having an abortion. Right. Um, that it is incipient life, you know, and there's um, a lot of health risks and each situation needs to be looked at carefully. And to look at it unscientifically or, you know, purely emotionally um, or with a foregone conclusion that abortion is always bad in all cases, then, yeah, you can increase danger to a lot of people. So so for that, I'll, I'll give it a seven. And if I, if I may just add a little bit of color to what you said, um, although there's risks to any medical procedure, it is far, far, far more dangerous to carry a baby to term than to have an abortion. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess so. By more than an order of magnitude. I don't know, just as like a, a way of seeing the world. It just it doesn't match up with the facts. I mean, uh, Sam Harris made a great point in Letter to a Christian Nation. What is it, half of pregnancies and naturally an abortion? Uh, yeah, that, that may be true. I that that was, statistic. yeah, I haven't, uh, haven't checked that out. So I always wonder with, when I hear statistics like that, how anyone knows. Right, how many people are reporting on their miscarriages. Right, and, and most, I mean, most pregnancies the mother doesn't, or the, the woman doesn't even know about. So how are they ca- calculating that? Sure. That I don't I Yeah, don't so so take that with a grain of salt. But still, mm-hmm. a fair amount yeah. of pregnancies are just ending naturally. all the time. And so anytime you start doing kind of the calculus of souls, it's adding a layer of explanation that doesn't help the discussion at all. And it's interesting, you and I were talking about this earlier, it's interesting how um, rarely this conversation centers on the science. Yeah, exactly. Even though there's a fair amount of science uh, to be brought to account. Right. So, Ross, what was your favorite moment as you... I'm I'm guessing it was sitting and waiting forever. (laughs) Sitting and waiting for an hour and freaking out. Goodness. Yeah, I mean, this was this one was mainly on you. You had to be there for an hour. I'll say my favorite moment was uh, when we opened up the little black box of fetuses. Ah, yes. Tell us about that. Yeah, because, you know, I come in, Carrie's crying. She's surrounded by little pamphlets and stuff. And so I'm trying to get my bearings. And so she's showing me the, these photos. And, you know, we're going through all this literature. And... um 
so then, like, finally I see this one little black box that's been on this little table, and I've been sitting on the table, and I keep moving it around. And and so I open up this black box, kind of velvet on the outside thing, and it's got these little fetuses inside of it. Not real ones, mind you. They're, like, gummy. <laughs> Which was a good call of theirs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I don't know. If you want to pull those emotional strings, you could have some real fetus. What's the plural? Fetuses? Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Feti? Feta. 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 <laughs> Feta. 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 So it's... Whenever you see feta cheese on the menu. I'm going to say fetus. Oh, no. (laughs) So anyways, just seeing all the little fetuses in there. And the first one was about the size of a gummy bear. And, and, you know, then they've got the articulated hands on them that just tickled my funny bone a little bit. How about you? What was your favorite moment? I think my favorite moment... No, that was nice. (laughs) No. I think it was when you came in... And you sort of had to appraise this situation and figure out why I was crying. And then you were like, okay, okay, she's acting. Okay, that's cool. And then you said this sort of adorable thing to contribute. Oh, no. You sat down and you said, we're usually so careful. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, I did. And I I had to sort of look down a little like everybody's mouth a little bit. I was like, well, thank you for that, Ross. Oh. You, you contributed. That was my contribution, <laughs> indeed. It was very cute. Oh, goodness. So, so, Ross, let's say someone out there is like, hey, this reminds me of how I don't have kids. That means I have so much money just laying around that could have been given to some kid. Uh-huh. And instead, you know, the Ono, Ross, and Carrie show. Okay. Yes. What could they <laughs> do? What could they do to express their undying love for our show? They could take it to a candy shop. Okay. Or, I don't think you're following, Ross. I don't think or, you're going where I'm going. Or they could donate. Oh, they could donate. Yes. Where would they go to donate? They could show their paternal love at... Onopodcast.com slash donate. Now that's a forward slash. If they give us a donation of $20 or more, they get to hear their name on the show. Said by us. Said, said by us. Well, it might be said by a robot in the future. I don't know. Yeah, but we're not anywhere close to that. Oh, Plus yeah. we get a I'm lot kidding. of donations and we can afford a robot. We got to get a robot. Part of Let's just get a Roomba. Let's uh-huh. get a Roomba and then try to figure out why we got it and what it's got to do with the show. Indeed. That is it for our show. Our producer is Ian Kramer. And our theme music was written by Brian Keith Dalton of Mr. Deity fame. Go to MrDeity.com to learn more about that bumbling deity. And remember, you can find us on the web, the World Wide Web, at onopodcast.com or facebook.com slash onrack, O-N-R-A-C. And be sure to check out our pictures by liking us. So remember, ladies, if you need crisis pregnancy counseling... Make sure your boyfriend brings reading material. 